0: Doing a great job and I just think I thank you all for being here. Thank you for choosing Thrive Community Church to worship with today. You could have chosen anywhere, but you chose to be here. And that we take that seriously and we're here to serve you at every capacity we possibly can. And we are here to grow in capacity and we want to grow with you in capacity in those same ways. So that's that's what we're here, that's what this whole message series is really geared around as well. Kind of working out the dynamics of what that even means, what is understanding the, the roles and the parts uh, within the church that God has actually ordained and He's structured. Uh, because there's two ways of doing church. There's a the traditional way, and then there's the biblical model. The traditional way is, is one where it says that the pastors and the leaders, they are the ministers, and, and that's really not the truth. In fact, we're not ministers. You know, I'm not your minister. That's, so, that's messing you up. You're, you're, having, you're struggling right now. I can see you struggling. And even in your thought life, well, what does that mean? Well, actually, you're the ministers. I am an equipper. The only way I minister is by equipping you to do the work of the ministry. That's the biblical model. The biblical model says, you guys, you should be up there equipping me so that I can go and do that work of the ministry. And that is the biblical model. Traditional model says, hey, uh, pastors, leaders, you guys should be ministering to me. And that's not the truth. That's not the case. That's not how God has actually ordained and, and scripted our lives. In fact, you have a gift. And you have a gift that God give, has given you, or probably multiple gifts, so that you can deploy for ministering to Him, but ministering to others. There is a purpose for that gift. And, and unfortunately, sometimes we, we, we spend too much time only ministering that gift within the church. But what I do know is you will not be excited, happy, filled with life, and thriving until you realize that you should be developing, discovering, developing, and then deploying that gift. That's going to be one of the major issues that you'll find is throughout your life. Is Well, the reason is I haven't learned and began to de- deploy the gift that God has given me or the gifts that God has given me. My, my job is, as a pastor is to equip you, help draw that out and equip you. Now, your, your gift is only partially to be used to serve one another in the church, you think, well what do you mean? Scripture says your gift is to serve one another yes, remember i 'm saying in the church you really this is a, a playing a training ground. This is a place where you come and you fine tune we as equippers, the leaders, the staff, as equippers help help to remove roadblocks in your path, your spiritual journey of discovering how to use and, and deploy your gift so that in the church, this is a nice little place where, okay, we're all believers and we can you know, as we work out our, our, our insecurities and our, and our hurts and our wounds and we forgive, etc. in the church because you didn't do it right, uh, you know, because that's usually what happens with people. I'm trying to figure out how to do something and, 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 and if I don't do it right, then I feel like somebody's going to get upset with me. No, that the issue is we, what we're trying to do, what, you, what the church is built for, is to discover, deploy, and so that you can go into the world and use those gifts. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that we do is just kind of a, a confidence builder, if you will, and encouragement so that we can go into the world and affect a lost and hurting and a broken world. So this is just a playground. This is a playground for you to discover the skill sets that you have because that's, the, that's where it really gets serious can we do the things, can you do the things that you're called, use the giftings that God has embedded inside of you and desire for you to discover out in that world so that you can then, in turn, bring people into the church, the Big Sea Church, and them also come in and be equipped, trained, and to be mobilized. Can you do that? Because that's what your gift is intended for. Your gift is intended to be used in the workplace, in the marketplace, and in every place in between. However, it's not just to be used in those places because once you discover how to use them in those places, you come into the church and you encourage and you edify and you build up and you help people in the church learn how to discover those and help them know how you learned how to use those, place, those gifts, your gifts and their gifts in the workplace, in the marketplace. You see the cycle that we're supposed to be living out. Do you see the brokenness in this cycle because we're not living it out? I want to see a bigger yes on that one than the other one. Okay, so but now that's why we're talking about what's my part. Isn't that a great graphic? I'll tell you what, Jessica, you are extremely talented. Jessica put this together this week, and she just she and my wife do all of the graphics. I think I think Ali's like, hey, just Jessica, you're doing a really good job. Take those. I'll take social media, and so they they just knock it out. They knock it out every week. But this week we're going to talk about my part. Why? Because you need to know what my part is because it's very confusing if you don't know what my part is because you'll think, you'll come in here thinking that that your part is my part and you'll start saying well why aren't you serving me according to your giftings and it's not my job to serve you according to your giftings. It's my job to equip you according to your giftings so that you can go use your giftings out there in the world. I'm going to break it down. You're going to find over two weeks, you're going to figure this out. But Exodus 13, 23, I'm going to give you Old Testament model, but I'm going to show you also this is Jesus' model, and this is the model of the disciples and the apostles. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the... Praise God for father-in-laws, right? All he did for the people, he said, What is the thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? Why do you alone sit? And by the way, if you didn't know, those are the traditional hours of the pastor. You're supposed to work morning until evening, and you're supposed to answer all my phone calls, do everything that I need you to do. You're supposed to minister to me because I haven't been equipped to minister to my own needs, and much less the needs of somebody else. Just that's a plug for you right there, so you know. So, verse 15. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. Verse 60. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and His laws. Let's just keep on reading. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, "'The thing that you do is not good.'" Verse 18, "'Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself.'" Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people. Let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter, they themselves, they can take care of that. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. Verse 23, if you do this thing and God commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all this people will also go to their place in peace. Isn't that good? But let's turn this back a little bit because I want to give you the story of what I'm about to pull out of. And I'm going to add in numbers. We're going to come back a little bit in Exodus 18. And I'm going to tap on the Exodus 4 as well because it's all the context of one story. In other words, verse 18 says this. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out for this thing is too much for you, you are not able to perform it by yourselves. In other words, any uh, any way other than the Bible way will wear you down, and it will wear the people out in which you are called to lead. It's not meant to be this way. Because if only I can marry, if only I can counsel, if I can, if only I can bury, if I can, only I can do hospital visits, you will be exhausted, I will be exasperated, and this thing won't last and you will not be able to, as it said later, endure. Because we're here to endure, persevere, and thrive. I'm going to get worn out. It's going to happen. This is why 90% of churches never reach 200 is because it's one man trying to serve 150 people and normally he doesn't most of the time he doesn't even know what his job description is and he can't do it because he's too busy serving tables and trying to figure out how to fulfill the needs of the people and it never was his role to fulfill the needs of the people. It was his role to equip the saints to fulfill the needs of the people. Yes, all right, good. you are on page with me. on page with me. Stats actually say that there was between 1.6 and 3 million people in Moses' day that he was leading. Now, whatever the difference is, that's a very large church. You could say it was the megachurch. It was the largest church of that day. Uh, it was probably a lot of burden to carry, a lot of weight to carry within it. The Bible says that when they passed through the Red Sea, that was a type a shadow type, a type of baptism. So probably Moses has baptized the most people at one setting, which is, yeah, it's really good for his denomination stats, you know, probably for his record, people knowing that that pastor baptized over 1.6 million people in a day. That's probably really good. But for his family, it's probably terrible. For his health, it's probably pretty terrible. So Jethro comes in and he says, listen, uh, son-in-law, I'm going to give you a little bit of advice. In fact, I'm going to give you four things that you need to do. Three uh, specifically, and one is actually the most important, but I'm going to give that to you last. So he says this. He says, number one, your most important role in leadership is to pray. You can't do anything unless you have space and you have room to pray. Exodus 19 says this, listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. He says, it's not your job to represent God to the people. It's your job to represent the people before God. And so as pastors and leaders, we take the burdens that we are given and we take them because they're too much to endure, to to carry, we take them before God and we pray for the people that we're leading that they may hear from God, that he may hear the prayers of the leaders and then he begins to speak and answer the prayers of the people so that they will begin to discover that God is actually working in their lives and he is working out the details of their lives. It's our job to take a, your, your issues before the Lord. And by the way, prayer is, is taking the issues before the Lord and then leaving them there and not taking them away from that time of prayer. If you take your burdens away from that time of prayer, you are just complaining. That was never prayer. You just wasted God's time talking and running your mouth. But you, you leave it there and then you walk away and you take peace with you because Jesus says, I will give you rest for that exchange. Come to me, y'all who are weary, and I will give you rest. My responsibility is to pray. But did you know that because of the, all the demands, the administration, the organizing, the oversight, the expectations, the things that pastors are able to do the least is actually pray. Because we're, we're stretched out in every direction and there's so much expectation and demand on what we're supposed to be doing. This is why most congregations struggle is because the pastor doesn't have time to take the burdens that he's been given back to the Lord. So he carries them around because he doesn't have gap, gap time to pray and release those back to the Lord. Prayer is number one, and I have to learn to say no to other appointments so that I can say yes to the most important appointment. You want me to keep my scheduled time with the Lord because you actually want me to be praying for you before the Lord. You want me to represent you before the Lord so that he can come in and do a work in your life. You actually even don't even want to meet with me. You want me praying with the Lord. If you're going to have a healthy and thriving church, You want me to keep my most important schedules at the top of my schedule. This world doesn't need another me-focused church. Because when the people come in and say, what are you going to do for me? That's a me-focused church. And what happens is when that sets the culture, we become very inwardly. Our focus becomes inwardly. What we want, what we need, is a you-focused church. So that means, hey, leaders, will you equip me to do the work of the ministry? Because apparently Scripture says that's my role, so I come in to be equipped. You guys come in to be equipped so that you can actually take care of the needs of one another. It becomes a you-focused church rather than a me-focused church. And so that's my main responsibility. Number two is this: it's to teach the word. Teach the word. Exodus 18:20 says, And you shall teach them the statutes of the law, the statutes and the laws, and show them the way. Teach to show them the way in which they must do and the work they must do. Not and let them sit in the chairs and do nothing. <laughs> Everybody see that? Everybody know that this is the Word of God? Everybody know that God has all the answers? Everybody know that God wants to direct your life? Everybody know that God wants you to do something? Okay, good. That's good. Many pastors have so little time, they wait to prepare their sermons on Saturday nights just so they can begin to feed people on Sundays. But, the, but when you come in on Sunday, you're like, hey, give me some fresh bread, give me some fresh manna. But I also want you to be in the office every day from 8 to 5, and I want you to answer all my phone calls at night, and I want you to be, make sure you visit my kids. When I need you to visit my, my kids, I need you to make sure you're visiting my grandmama when my grandmama has some problems. So there's some issues if you don't. <laughs> No, you need me to get out of the office so I can spend more time with God, so I can be strengthened, so I can teach you, I can hear from heaven, bring you some fresh manna, and I can teach you and equip you for what you are called to do as the saints. You know how I know I'm talking to saints this morning? Because it's 9.33 in the morning, and you're in church. Amen. Those other ones are waiting until 11 o'clock to go to another church just to get by for Sunday, okay? So thank you very much, by the way. The way in you might, that we must walk. Show them the way... The way they must walk. Every leader around me, I I teach character every week. It says, show them the way in which they must walk. Character is a huge issue. Before we teach them what they must do, we need to teach them how to know how to walk this thing out. So every week I spend Tuesday mornings talking about character, working some issue of character into the people that I lead most closely. And then once a month we really start to dive in on specific areas of character, spiritual walk, relationships, intimacy with others. Yes, we discuss that because accountability is very important for us, for leaders as well. So we, we talk about, here's how you do that thing. Here's the character you must carry. Not legalistic, not perfectionism. It's, hey, as you stumble, stumble this way. Because we all fall off of a log. And so when we fall off, let's make sure we fall off trying to find Jesus in the midst of our trials and our struggles. And so before we teach them how to how the work they must do, we need, we need to teach them how to walk a little bit. So every, every leader here gets, gets equipped by that. And while we, while we equip we must also teach the godly character that they need to be. Before we preach the work they must do, before we preach the work they must do, it's time to get them to walk this thing out. That's why our vision statement includes finding freedom, after introducing Jesus, finding freedom then connecting to purpose. What do you mean? Does that mean I can't start to connect to purpose without finding freedom? I say no. You will st- as you start to connect to, pr- connect to purpose, there's a tension because in the midst of that connecting to purpose, there's disgruntled. You start to get a little disgruntled and frustration and this selfishness starts to come out. Come on, somebody. And, and all, you start to realize, hey, I need some freedom in that area. But that, become, that becomes whenever you start to realize I'm working on my character while I'm also starting to do the work of the ministry, but I'm mature enough to realize that I can't do the work of the ministry and act like this. I can't carry this attitude. I can't carry this behavior. I can't carry this ought in my heart towards leaders or others if I'm going to do this. And so there's that healthy tension that begins to strengthen us in our character, in our walk, in our maturity, and it says, hey, at some point I've got to decide who I'm going to be. I was talking with somebody yesterday, and I, there's, there's, this, there's two paths. There's this one path, and it turns into two. There's this me, the church, everybody comes in for me. Every one of you. Me myself. When I came to church, it was about me. What am I going to get? But then there's this tension as you grow in maturity. It starts to be about you. I, I, I've been given so me. I've been given so much. I want to serve you. But then there... That me, you season lasts for a very long time because that old man wants to rise up. That whenever it starts to be too much about you, it's got to be about me now. What about me? What about me? It's all about me. No, 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 no me. Not you anymore, right now. I, uh, me. But then as, as that old man gets put to rest, as Scripture says, and the new man starts to emerge and starts to rise up, it's no longer about me, but it's about you, and I need good leadership in my life to help me remind me that it's not all about them. I need rest too, but I need to get up off my rump from resting too much before it turns into laziness, and I need to get back out there serving you. That's why we, we make sure that the people around us Take sabbatical. Take rest. Take a Sabbath. Have a a Sabbath on Fridays. Rest. Don't mess with me on a Friday. You won't even like me on Friday. I don't like me on Friday. That character, it ain't there. I've given it all out, and I'm trying to go get some more on Fridays. (laughs) So the word... And the work they must do. And that's equipping. The work they must do. That's what we're here to do is equip. That's my role. Equip you. It's my passion to help every believer discover their gifts and then deploy them in the area of ministry that you are purposed for. Because I know scripture says just that. You are purposed for an area or areas of ministry and there's a gift that's going to get you there. This entire next year, in fact, is focused on developing character and equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Why? Because we have a big calling. There's a big responsibility for Thrive. But yet, at the same time, we have to be protected because we need to endure, as verse 23 said. We We are to walk in the way that God wants us to walk, and we are to do the work in which God designed us to do. By the way... That's what we'll discuss next week. We're going to talk about the work that God has designed you to do. We're going to talk about what's your part, but you need to know what my part is first. So the third area of my job description is this. It's to raise up leaders. The third thing that Jethro tells Moses is, hey, you need to raise up leaders so that they can help carry the burden. And that's my role. Look at this, Exodus 21, 18, 21, Moreover, you shall select from all the people, able men and women, "...such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of 10s You're supposed to raise up some leaders. But you notice what's being said, right? He says, I want you to pray. I want you to teach the Word, and I want you to raise up leaders." Does that sound familiar with something else, another story that we have in the New Testament when the church started to kick off? Let me take you to Acts 6 real quick. Acts 6, 1-4 says this, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, as Thrive Community Church began to grow, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve, the leadership, summoned the multitudes of the disciples and said, Hey, it is not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. I'm not here to serve you. I'm here to be in the Word and to be in prayer and to equip you to do the work of the ministry because you're saints. It's not my, it's not my place to serve the tables that you sit at. It's my place to stay with the Word of God so that I can equip you and teach you and develop you. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Not just seven folks that are willing to do something. Seven men or women with good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom... We may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. What does he say? The very same thing that Jethro told Moses. You need to pray, you need to teach the Word, you need to raise up some leaders. Because the leaders are supposed to do the work of the ministry and serve one another. Take care of the needs of one another. They came and said, our widows are being neglected. And it's not that they weren't important because they are very important. Your grandmama is very important. Your kids are very important. It's not that they're not important. Our job, he said, is not is to leave, is not to leave the word and go serve table. He's saying this it's best, it's not best for you that we leave the word of God and go serve tables. It's not best that I go and do that. It's best that I stay in the word so that I equip you to go and do that. There, there's some brain hemorrhage going on because I'm trying to rewrite some, some history because the old church is all in you. And I'm trying to get old church in you. I'm trying to get the Bible in you. Because y'all have been stuck on tradition and we're trying to get the biblical model of, of doing church, of being the church, of living church, of coming in little C and going out big C. We're a living and breathing organism. We, go, we breathe in little C and we breathe out big C. That means the church, the world, we're trying to breach them, trying to bring them back in. It's going to get there. Traditional model says, you should serve my table. Biblical model says, I need to be in the Word and equip you to serve tables. Many pastors have actually fallen into traps because they have left the Word of God to go serve tables. And there wasn't enough of them to go around, and they didn't have the Word and prayer in them so that they could endure and make it through all the serving they were running around to do. Anybody ever been in that church? Yeah, I was raised there. raised there. I saw it go from 200 to 10. That is some kind of growth right there. That, that, is, that is demonic growth is what that's called. By the way, uh, Jesus also continually equipped, pulled away to pray, and then he went back to teach the Word. That's exactly what they saw Jesus do his whole ministry. The whole time. He wasn't running around saying, Oh gosh, I just hope I can minister more to them. No, I'm going to go pray. Spend time with the Father. I'll come back and I'm going to teach you. I'm going to equip you. All along, he was just walking it out with them and equipping them, reminding them what the kingdom looked like. As they begin to dis- argue, you want me to call down fire on them? No, we're not going to call down fire. Let's, let's not do that. It's a good plan, but let's not do that. It was great. It was great at one time. It doesn't work anymore. It's not, it's not that they weren't important, but here's what... Here's what we do. He says, We will appoint others of good reputation and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to serve those tables. We will raise up some leaders to take care of your grandmama. We'll raise up some leaders to take care of them kids. We'll raise up some leaders to do some counseling. We'll raise up some leaders to go marry you. We'll raise up some leaders to bury your dog. We'll raise up some leaders to do the work of the ministry, because that's what leaders, pastors, are here to do, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And by the way, Moses was actually a type of Jesus. You do know that, right? It was the model. It was a a spiritual type and shadow of Jesus to come. But here... Now, Moses is saying he needs to raise up some more leaders. Now, after the fact, he's already done this, he's already gone, and he says, hey, I've I've equipped, I've given rulers over thousands, fifties, tens, hundreds, and yet still it's not enough. Lord, you just keep growing my church. What are you doing to me? There's even more burden on my back. So Numbers 11, if you want to go there in your Bibles, that's cool. We have version, by the way. All of our notes are on version. You can find them there, and you can download them. You can save it so you can review this. You might want to review this message and this series, and even the last one. And say, man, I don't know about this. this is, I'm so stuck on my pastor serving me. I had one person come up to me about two years ago and say, I'm just so used to being able to, I used to go to my pastor's house every Sunday after lunch, and I said, where's that church now? exist. Yeah, and that's why you're at Thrive. (laughs) Because that pastor's worn down because everybody kept coming over to his house and wearing him down and having all their needs try to be met by one man and he was never his job to do it. Numbers 11.10. Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. Of course he was. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? <laughs> and why have I not found favor in your sight? Like, oh, Lord, help me. Look what you're doing to me. That you have, that you have laid the burden of all these people on me. Did I, did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, Give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. Get ready, here it comes. Here comes the prayer of every burned-out pastor. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Watch closely. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. <laughs> I mean, if you love me that much, just, just kill me and do it quick. Because I can't handle this anymore. I'm burned. If I have found favor in your sight, just do it. Do it, drop me dead. And do hang on, I'm not done. And do not let me let me see my wretchedness. Lord, don't let my ugly come out. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the the elders of the people and officers over them. Let me me back up to this real quick. I, I want you to know that one in every three pastors actually leave the ministry because of those burdens right there. They never get that time to pray. They never get that time to, to, teach, to be in the Word so that they can teach it. They're always stretched out. And so that's why one of every three pastors will leave the ministry. And I'm not it's a heavy burden, like he says. It's a heavy burden because I'm not just trying to take care of you physically. Shauna can do that. She's a great coach. Uh, I'm trying to take care of you spiritually as well. And whenever you start to hear the spiritual burdens of the people and as a pastor, you see the goodness of God in their lives and you see the destiny that's on their lives. And you see and you know because of your own experience, but not only that, because of Scripture says that God has a purpose for them and they can't see this. And all they're seeing is their burdens and their problems and their struggles. That is a heavy weight that we carry and that we must have the time to go and bring that before the Lord so that we can pray and release it and let it go. It's an unbelievably heavy burden. I hear, I hear so and these things like her, hear so-and-so 's getting a divorce, so-and-so 's got cancer, so-and-so 's baby re, is mean, having troubles, uh, so-and-so 's got this, so-and-so 's got that. Those things. I hear the good stuff too, but those things begin to weigh you down. And it's not that I don't want to know about those because we do want to pray for them, but we have a team of people that those burdens can be brought to so that we can collectively pray for those. Because I equip people to pray for others. I equip people to do the work of the ministry for others. I equip people to meet those needs. But for all of it to be brought to me becomes a very heavy burden, or any pastor... And that's why it is important for me that I do my part. It's important for you that I do my part and equip others to teach, and I teach the Word and raise up leaders. And then I spread the leadership out. We spread the leadership out. And so God provides the answer in this next little step. In verse 16, it says, "'So the Lord said to Moses, "'Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, "'whom you know to be the elders of the people,' and officers over them. Verse 17. Then I will come down and I will talk with you there. I will take of the Spirit that is upon you and will put the same Spirit on them. Listen, as the church grows, we raise up more leaders, more staff members. We're, we're praying for more small group leaders. Why? to bear the burden with me. What does Scripture say? For me to raise up these leaders to, to carry and bear the burden of the world who are being brought in as the church because we want the world in here. Therefore, we need leaders to raise up and help carry the burden. He said, bring them to the tabernacle of meeting with you. And that's how you raise up leaders, by the way. You bring them in. You show them how to pray. You show them what to do. You show them how to respond to situations and circumstances. You show them what you've learned. And then you give them some things to do. And you let them make mistakes. Yeah. The church has gotten to this place where everybody has to be perfect and leadership can't make a mistake. And if somebody's going to be emerging in leadership, they better not make a mistake. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. We make mistakes. We're people. People aren't perfect. There's not a perfect church. Thrive Community Church is not perfect. You've probably seen that. In fact, if you have found or if you're looking for a perfect church and you found one, don't join it because you'll mess it up. It's perfect. Leave it alone. Leave that church alone. Because people aren't perfect. To raise up leaders, you start with something, you give them some responsibility, and then you let them make mistakes, and then you coach those mistakes back out of them and say, here's what I would have done differently. But it's okay. That's why, it's, that's why it's so many people struggle with starting to get involved and volunteer. They think they have to be perfect. They think their character has to be perfect. No, I need you to be on the path of spiritual journey of finding freedom and connecting to purpose. I need you to be willing to overcome you for the sake of others. I need you to get out of that me side of the journey and into the you side of the journey. And I know you're going to hemorrhage along the way, but I need, you to, I need that new man to rise up and I need you to finally put that old man to rest. That's what Scripture says about us. Because when God is involved, you don't have to be perfect because God is bigger than all of our mistakes. But number four, here's my here's my, most important, my most important role as a leader and as a pastor is to be a good husband and to be a good father. That's actually number one, but I want to save it to number, for number four because here everything comes out of that right there. I can do all those. I can pray, I can teach the Word, and I, and I, can, I can raise up leaders, but I'm not, I'm not doing that well. Eventually, it's all going to fail. This is actually my first. So Exodus 18, I'm going to go back to verse 1 in Exodus 18. It says this, And Jethro the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God has done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Yes, took Sipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom. For he, had, he, had, he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eleazar, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Number five, verse five. And Jethro, Moses' father in law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. Now he had said to Moses, I, your father in law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her and and most people don't know this but on the way to Egypt Moses and his wife had a fight and Moses sent his wife and kids back home (laughs) he'd heard from God and he's like we're going to do this baby we're going to go take care of some God stuff and she starts yapping and he starts biting back and woman you can go home and take them kids with you I'm going to do this by myself that's what happened that's exactly what happened. But Jethro, yeah, they were actually separated for most of Moses' ministry. Well, you know, there's a lot of grace on that. There's grace in the Old Testament, by the way. If you didn't know, there's grace. There's grace right there. And so, so Jethro sends word several times. He says, "Hey, I, I'm I'm coming. I'm coming with your wife." I'm Hey, I'm bringing your wife. I'm coming. No, no, I don't want them. You keep them. I'm good without No, I, I'm too old for this. I'm bringing your wife and your kids. I'm too old to raise them. I gave them to you once. I'm going to give them to you. You're going to take them. Take this, take this woman. That's what Jethro said. But why? Why? Jethro was addressing a fight that he had with his wife. Let me, let me take you back several chapters, and, and this is going to find in Exodus 4. Exodus 4 says, Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. Now here's a bonus round, alright? There's some notes. This is a little side thing, but it's embedded all in this. So I'm going to bring it back home. But for any person that was ever feel a call to ministry, you've got to know this right here. Bonus round is this. God gave Moses four things. Number one, he said this. He said, Go return to Egypt for all the men who sought your life. Dead. He gave him a mission. Right then, God gave Moses a mission. And in every one of your spiritual journeys, God's going to give you a mission. At some point, God will give you a mission. And many people have no idea, unfortunately, what their mission is in life. That's why these circles, these cycles and circles exist in our lives. I don't know what a mission. I don't know what I'm purpose for. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I exist. All those questions that ruminate until you start to find vision and purpose for your life. You start to find mission that comes from God. Then Moses, verse 20, then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey. And he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. The rod of God in his hand. That's number two. Number two, the rod of God is Moses' ministry. From this point on, you never hear it referred to as Moses' rod. It always becomes the rod of God. Why? Because at some point... Now, Moses is really good. He he had been a shepherd for 40 years. He was really good with a rod. But at some point, you're going to have to lay down what you're good at, what you know so well, what you've worked so hard to establish and to craft. At some point, for God, he's going to say... You lay that down because it's just a natural thing. However, we know that, God, that Moses used the rod of God throughout his ministry. So what happens? When he throws it down, it becomes supernatural. What happened? It turned into a snake, right? And then he picked it up by his tail. And many men and many women don't realize this, that they wait, at some point, they will throw down. They will answer that call there, that ministry. It will come along, and they will throw down their rod. They will throw down their, what they know to be familiar. They will throw down their way of living. They will throw down their, their, all that they have learned, their abilities. But if they don't pick it up by the tail, then it will strike them, it will get them, and it will knock them out. So he picked it up by the tail... So it wouldn't bite him. And what happens? It became supernatural. you got to know that. Because at some point, God's going to ask you to lay it down. And when you pick it up, it better be his way. So the rod of God means ministry. And so before this, it was just simply Moses' rod. Okay. Many men don't understand that. So you got to get it. My strength right here, because if you don't watch it, it will bite you. My strength here is, is leading and teaching. But if I don't keep that in check with God, Boy, I can get really sharp. And I, I, can, I can say some things, and I can, I can teach you some, some stuff that don't, don't, doesn't honor God <laughs> really quick. You start watching me and my, and my character that's not checked according to God, well, you, you'll start seeing some things. So if I've I got to keep it checked, my communicate, my leading, and my teaching under God. I've got to keep it in line with God. I can tell you a lot more history, but I don't, I don't want to tell you right now. <laughs> And the Lord said to Moses, verse twenty-one. The Lord said to Moses, "When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will burden, I will, I will harden his heart, so that he will not let the people go." Verse 21, what happens? Moses gets miracles from God. In 2014, uh, I started seeing, we were pursuing, and I started seeing God heal a lot of people. We've been pursuing uh, God's giftings, we've been pursuing healing, and in 2014, man, we just started seeing a lot of people get healed. My marriage was healing, and in the process of my marriage being healed, we started seeing a lot of God's healing hand moving through us. Now, my brokenness caused a desire for me to see for others to be healed as well. And after worship, I just want you to know, we have equipped people that will be here to pray with you if you have any burdens that you need to lay down. That is why those people, those altar team, is here to pray with you so you can lay those burdens at the altar and walk away changed. There's healing in this place. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, says this, Verse 22, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But I, if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Verse 4, here, number, number 4 says this. This is the fourth thing he got in verse 22 and 23. Now Moses has his message From God. He says, I say say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me, but if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son. That's his message. That was the message he was sent with to Egypt, to Pharaoh, for his mission. He had the miracles, and he had the the message, the mission, and the ministry. Verse 24 says this, And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Wait a minute. Lord, you just gave him mission, you gave him ministry, you gave him a message, and he has miracles, and now you want to kill him. This is Moses, the guy who wrote the first five books of the Bible. You've been grooming him for 80 years. So you mean you're going to find another baby to put in another basket, you're going to find another, child, another man to go and kill another couple of Egyptians and then send them back off? You're going to do all that over and over again? He was willing to do it. God is about his plan. So here he is, and Why? Why? All of a sudden, he wants to kill him because he wasn't doing things God's way. Verse 25 says this, Then Sipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskins of her sons and cast it at the feet of Moses and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he let him go Then she said, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. What was Moses not doing God's way? Moses was supposed to begin to reinstate circumcision to God's people. The Israelites, under bondage, quit circumcising. They just got distracted. And Moses was supposed to start with his own kids so that when he got there, he was walking what he was talking. And God used an ungodly woman that didn't know God to do the circumcision because God was going to kill her husband. You see it? For 40 years they were married. 40 years Moses never taught her about the things of God. She was, it, was not her fault, not it was not her fault. It was not her fault. It was Moses' fault. She was not an Israelite. She didn't know God, but Moses did. For 40 years he lived with this woman and never taught her the ways of God. That's why she was so angry with him. That's why she was so upset. That's why they fought and he sent her back home. That's why he said, disobedient woman, you need to go back to the house and take them kids with you. Because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. He didn't teach his family the ways of God. He didn't lead the ways of God in his own household. Neither Moses' wife nor his kids saw the miracles God did through Moses in Egypt. He missed all that. Because he wouldn't stand up and be a man. In chapters four, 4 to 18, the wife and kids they just stayed home alone while he was out doing the work. And meanwhile, Moses was confronting Pharaoh and working miracles. His kids didn't even get to see the Red Sea part. His kids should have been the ones that came back with the the good news instead of Joshua and Caleb. He should have been training them up. Walking it out with them. Coming alongside equipping. Here's the things of God. Here's what what God's been doing. For for before your people even knew that there was a God, here's what God did. Moses knew. And some of your kids are not seeing the promised land in their lives because mama and daddy won't stand up and lead the way. You won't serve in the church and you certainly won't equip your kids to know how to go out in this world. You leave it to teachers in a a worldly system. I got 30 kids in that classroom. How are they going to teach your kids what to do? God has given you them kids to steward. He's given you that wife, husbands, to steward. Wives, God's given you that man to let lead you in stewarding the ways of God. And this is like many pastors you may have known. They've had their wives sit on the front row, but their wives weren't even with them. They were there, but they weren't with them. And this is why I push hard for our staff to take a Sabbath. That's why I push hard to protect them from being overused by the ministry, by others, and ministering to others. That's why we equip. That's why it's safe for you to serve at Thrive Community Church. We don't even want you serving more than two weekends out of the month. We want you to rest. You know what? people come to me, when they have a problem with that? (laughs) I want to serve more. Well, I want you to rest so you can be kind to the people you serve. And many churches have failed because of the old model and leaders never equipped the ministers to minister and all of you are ministers. And that's why, that's why PKs, preacher's kids, are so bad. Because the church took their daddy and they never got to have a daddy in their home. Why well, they run around bad, so bad, trying to get attention back from their daddy. And I'm not going to live that. My staff won't live that either. And you don't want this church to live that. You want this church to endure, as 1823 said. That's why we have EquipTrack online, so you can get involved and carry a part of the burden. So that you, too, can be equipped to do the work of the ministry, but one day you'll be an equipper. That's why we're starting it back off in August, August, the beginning of August, August 9th. Right after service, how can I get involved? How can I help take the load off of you, Pastor Nathan, staff, Deb? How can I help you? How can I shift my paradigm from how can you, what can you do for me to how can I serve you? How can I help you? And so many people are afraid because you've had a church that took advantage of you. You had a church that wanted to use you every week and probably on Wednesday nights too. That ain't this church. You can get rid of that thought. You can get rid of that pain. You can get rid of them lies. We're here to, we're here to equip you to do the work of the ministry. That's going to be our service to you, but you got to do the work of the ministry. We're here to protect you from, from all that other. no sense in it. I'm give you two testimonies this week. In 2014, you know, I mentioned talking about seeing the healing hand of God begin to work through my life. I remember morning after morning, and now I could tell you, I'd be in the, in the living room of our little house crying for people. Carrying the burden for people. I so badly wanted their lives to change and them to see a difference. See life from a different perspective. Give them hope, give them vision. When I saw it, I begin to take Allie, I begin to teach her, I begin to train her how to pray for others. I begin to tr- teach her what to walk, watch for, what to look for, how to know God's healing hand has moved upon that individual or those individuals. This week, we're in this building. The city inspector comes in. Oh, oh. back's hurting. The Lord prompts Allie to stand up and pray for a man for his healing. A city man, government government leader, government official here in town. She stands up. She prays for healing, healing for his back. She sits back down. He goes and does his little inspection. He comes back to her privately and says, Thank you so much for praying for me. My back feels better. She did the work of the ministry. I showed her what to do. Showed how to overcome the insecurities, to step out, and to just pray. This week, one of the mornings this week, I was getting ready to go to work. Actually, I was laying in bed because I was so tired from the work. Nene was getting ready to go to escuela, school, and she came in crying because she had done something to her finger, hurt it somehow. Did something? I don't. I don't know. I just trying to connect. I said, "I know, Nene. Look." I heard, My papa hurt his finger too, I have a cut. And immediately she went to, to looking at my finger and looking at the cut. She goes, Daddy, it has bleed. I said, no, I just think it's, it's just a scab. And so, and I, I kid you not, for literally 10 minutes, she's sitting there doctoring my finger, acting like she's nursing it, gets the, the, the little charger from my eye, my eye watch to, to move it about gets the charger for my iPhone, and she's waving around like she's doing something. She, she licks it. She gets a pen and says she's going to write on it. Then she gets a napkin. She draws out my scar. And then she goes back to doctor. Ten minutes. Allie's sitting there saying, nay, we got to get ready to school. nay, we got to get ready to school. And we're in a hurry. You know. But I just watched her, and I let her, because it was more important to teach her the healing of others. The healing of others is possible, God wants to use her, and she can do it. So when she prays, when she talks, when she needs, she had it was Fourth of July, and she had those little bang snaps. She wanted hers to pop the loudest. Lord Jesus, please let my, please let this pop real loud. Lord Jesus, please every time she throw one. Lord Jesus, asking for power. You see it? I'm gonna teach my kids. I'm gonna leave my wife. Power them I want to equip them I want to send them out into. A, I want them to see the miracles I want them to enjoy ministry alongside me I don't want them to get worn out I don't want the church to steal their daddy their husband but I sure do want to equip you as well and I don't want the church to steal your daddy your husband your wife I want us to all just step up and do what we're purposed to do that okay? So we pray for you. That's why we're talking about your part. and That's why we asked you for these ministry interest cards to take it, pray over it, and let the Holy Spirit highlight one, two, up to three. Say, Lord, where do you want me to begin? How can I just start getting over me so I can be about others? no pressure, but if you let the Lord lead you, you'll start to develop that gift, and then you'll start to find that ministry. Lord will begin to give you that message. You might see a few miracles, but at least you'll know what your mission is in life. And that's what it's all about. Father, I just pray for every individual that you've purposed to be here today. And I thank you that it's not by accident that you brought every individual into this room, this sanctuary, in this time. And I thank you for the message. And Lord, I just, I just pray that you rewrite, that you that every individual be, just be transformed by the renewing of their minds. And that we embrace your word, we embrace your truths, we embrace your way, we embrace your model, We embrace your systems, we embrace your rest, but we embrace the work that you have called us to do, and we embrace the character in which you've called us to form and be conformed to. Maybe you're here today, you've never come to truly give your life to Jesus and you need to be introduced to Jesus after worship, there's going to be a prayer team here waiting on you, and they would love to celebrate with you. There's no pressure, no condemnation, no shame. Maybe you've been in church for 20 years, and you're just now getting to know who Jesus really is. Let us pray for you. Maybe you need healing today. There's an equipped altar team that's going to be here after worship. Let them pray for you. So, Father, I just pray for grace. I pray for healing pray for salvation, and I pray for your ministers to rise up and be your ministers. In Jesus' name, amen.